Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Guys, a lot going on. We are just days away from the Iowa caucuses, and no one knows what's going to happen. Because in politics, four days is a lifetime. Anything it's an eternity. <laughs> Anything could happen. We this is it's all going to come down to turnout, and we we just don't know what's going to happen. And then after Finally, that, we to move away from these polls and the punditry, Finally. and the people get will real, get to have their say. Real voting. The people. That's will right. Have their the say. people. God, I love the people. The people are the best. Uh, but. We have some some actual developments happening, including just moments ago, a CNN poll showing New Hampshire very, very tight as a tick. Sarah, would you like to I want you to return to some some hopium. And uh, this is two polls now showing Nikki Haley very close in New Hampshire. Talk yeah. To uh, number one thing, Chris Christie's got to drop out for Nikki Haley to win New Hampshire. You guys will remember in my 2024 predictions. I do. Mm -hmm. I give the state to Nikki. I think she can do it. I think that she can win New Hampshire. The question then becomes, and I also think she'll come in second in Iowa. I think she's going to come in uh, just in front of DeSantis and she'll go into New Hampshire with a little bit of momentum and certainly a lot of media buzz around her. The thing about New Hampshire, though, is that it is, I can't remember the actual percentage of undeclared voters is, but it's like 40%. Like, her margins are meet, being made up by a kind of voter that does not exist in the other states. Um, she does need Christie to drop out, I think, in order to actually beat Trump. She needs his roughly 15%. They're splitting up some of those undeclared voters. And so yeah, I don't know whether Christie would drop out. I wonder if this, I'm sure his phone is ringing off the hook today with this new CNN poll demanding that he drop out so that Nikki can can get this momentum. But here's the thing. The Nikki case rests on one very specific, a, a way of being, like, which is in 2008, Barack Obama beat Hillary Clinton in Iowa. That demonstrated that she was not inevitable and the whole party moved to him. Mm. You may remember in 2020, Joe Biden won South Carolina and a bunch of people dropped out, endorsed him, whole party moved, said, this is our guy. And so it rests on this theory that the Republican Party is like the Democratic Party, where Nikki will disrupt the narrative that Donald Trump can't be beaten, and that the party will move to her en masse and say, okay, this is our person. Because they want normal. They want somebody who, who takes the Confederate flag down. They want somebody who's not going to call people vermin and who has sympathy for undocumented migrants who come here seeking, seeking asylum and, right, is that... That's what they want. And is that what you is, hear in your focus groups? You talk is, to these voters all the time, Sarah. This is where I think the theory falls apart because when <laughs> she, uh, when she when she goes into her home state with expectations high and Donald Trump wins by thirty points at a place where she has a hundred percent name ID, I think that's probably where the race all the, that's where the hopium comes. It's going to poke down. some holes in the hopium. Yeah, I was on with your friend Wit Ayers on NPR uh, today. I love and wit. Uh, sweet wit airs. Oh, sweet wit. Yeah. And, you know, they had us on to do the, you know, dire Donald Trump is inevitable, Tim Shtick, and the wit, hope you, you know, back and forth. And God love him. And he just, he gave a Republican example similar to yours, uh, kind of Sarah, on the Democratic side. He went all the way back to the glory days of 1999, early 2000. 
and how John McCain, uh, George Bush, everyone had said George Bush had wrapped it up, and John McCain surged in New Hampshire to an 18-point win and changed the narrative. And quickly as Witt was talking, I like pulled up the map again for 2000 to refresh my memory, and I was like, <laughs> John McCain ended up only winning states where people have a New England accent, which I hear you've been trying on in, your, in some of your <laughs> podcasts lately, Sarah. Um, if you have a New England accent or Arizona. Like, and he won one other state that also had independence. And McCain ended up winning six states, which would be, I think, amazing a for miracle. Haley. If she, I mean, a, a miracle, miracle for Haley to get six. So, like, even in your best case scenario, twenty-five, a quarter century out of date, where the main, where the main protagonist is now dead, R.I.P. Um, like, even still, it isn't a path to victory. So, I don't, you know, to me, the most interesting thing about Island Five Days is just how dead it is. And, and like, the media doesn't know how to handle it. Nobody really knows how to handle it. Like, I'm on TV, sure. and and you're, we're kind of doing this pretend thing where it's sort of – it feels like, you know, high school circuit TV, you know, in high school. I remember when you had to be like, like there's going to be a snow day on Thursday. I don't know. Did you guys have an AV team in high school, and you had a fake reporter out there doing things? Like, it feels like that. And and nobody's even going. I had a friend, somebody that called me this morning and said, hey, I'm trying to put together a group in Iowa like, do you, you know, could you point you to some people who are going? And I texted around and he's like, why would I go to fucking Iowa? It's freezing. The campaign's over. So, I, you know, it's just, it's very, it doesn't feel like, I don't have the little, little butterflies in my belly. Like I, so, like as a political junkie, like I used to days before the first caucus. Another problem here is that uh, shortly after Iowa, Tiny D is probably going to get out. His 11% probably mostly goes to Trump. Vivek will have to get out. His 7% will go to Trump, right? Mm. So it's, I mean, Haley's not the only one who has room to grow here. That's the other problem. Trump actually has much more room to grow as the field consolidates than she does. Yeah. The other thing, you know, just about the Haley play that's interesting is Haley is able to find herself a lane, A, in open primary states with lots of undeclared but also in part because DeSantis is in the race, right? There, it's He's not splitting with Trump because Trump's lead is so much, so disproportionate. But like, if, if let's just say something happened to Trump, okay? The big thing. It's not like the party then turns around and goes, Nikki is in second place and I take her. Like, it would go to DeSantis as much as they don't like, find him like he is much closer to or john jr or vivek well i'm just saying if you went to somebody who was in in right now it would go to uh to desantis like i'm just saying like nikki there's not a for nikki to win this is the problem is like i can explain to people all day long what the path is like let me tell you about the narrow path here's the theory of the case for the nikki bulls and whatever but i can't in good conscience ever tell you that she could win this thing because as much as i want her to because it would defy everything I know about Republican voters after four years of listening to them week in and week out, which is that they don't want somebody like Nikki Haley. They tell me that all the time. So unless unless I have, after all of these years of listening to people, totally been like, nope, there's, I'm wrong. There's a revealed preference that's going to come out and they're all going to go for Nikki. Uh, no, that's not what they say. They want to move on. They want to make America great again candidate. They want to. America first candidate. They want somebody in the vein of Trump. They don't like these. You know, when people talk about Nikki in the focus groups, I know I've talked to you guys about this, but they always say like, I don't trust her. She's establishment. She'd be a corporate. And you know what else they say? I've said this. I might've said this on this pod. So sorry if I have, but they always, they say, I don't hate her. Like there's this big, I don't hate her, which is like why her favorables are still okay. They don't hate her. This is what she gets. 
unlike Chris Christie, it's what she gets for not going hard at Trump. She gets their not hate, but she doesn't get their liking, their affirmative liking. Do they think that she's eligible to be president or vice president? Because earlier <laughs> earlier in the day, uh, somebody on The Truths pointed out that according to noted legal scholar, blah, 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 uh, because Nikki Haley's parents were not born in the United States, under the rules in the 12th Amendment, she is not eligible to serve. This is like a, a flat misreading. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that you do not want to give credit to, is it, is, is, oh, is it too late um, to, to put it up on the YouTube screen, a picture? Here's <laughs> Maybe everyone should Google Google it. Noted legal scholar Paul Ingracia. Paul Ingracia cor- graduated Cornell Law. That's not oh. nothing. Uh, JVL, actually, you didn't get to tell it. What, what was your LSAT again? 172. 172. I Pretty noticed good. that got cut from the intro we yeah, did I for heard George about Conway. That. that got cut from another episode, so I want to give you another chance. I, I don't know what Paul Ingracia got on the LSAT, but I can tell you what year he graduated from Cornell. Any guesses? 67. 2022, no. yeah, other yeah, way around. Earlier, <laughs> 2022. Yeah, he's a child. He's got a nice little bow tie on here, and uh, he is the auth- self-described author of President Trump's favorite substack. Somehow I find it hard to believe that President wow. Trump has a list of favorite substacks, but he, he's a big uh, reader. Yeah, he is. Loves his newsletters. Can't wait to get the newsletters in his inbox every day. consumer of newsletters, just like Sarah. And so Paul Ingracia is one that said that. Yeah, his, his theory, I guess, of the case was that Nikki's parents were not, did not, I don't know, uh, you know, not fill born out in America. So your parents have to be born in America. It's not the And law. you have to it's be born in America. If his parents were illegal, then maybe right. she doesn't file under birthright. There is the birthright citizenship. I'm not a constitutional scholar. George Conway is. Maybe that's maybe a question for him next time Sarah gets to talk to him. But Paul and Gracia, birthright citizenship doesn't qualify for Nikki, but maybe. Does this show that Trump is quaking in his boots? I saw a tweet from a Nikki fan saying that Trump is quaking. You know, I don't think he's quaking. I do think he's taking Nikki a little seriously. Um, Like, they're dropping money on her now, like they did for DeSantis, like, eight months ago, whenever they were trying to put him to bed. Because part of it is, I think Trump doesn't just want to win this primary. Trump wants to destroy all of them in this primary. And I think that they are right... Yeah. And I think right now he's thinking like her negatives could go higher. Let me let me let me do something about that. Uh, and and I so I don't think he's quaking. I don't think he thinks. But I, I do think he is going to make sure he shuts off any avenue for them to get any oxygen whatsoever. He wants to it's, just demolish them in this. For sure. And it's the craziest thing. It's another thing that gives this whole caucus kind of an element of like pretend play. Like when the other candidate like it's not a real campaign because there is no other analog to this. And I remember I was talking with our friend Dave Kochel in Iowa about this, about like the frustrating part about the Iowa campaign, right? Which is like, there's, you cannot think of any other example in any other context, presidential, governor, house, state legislature, where there'd be one candidate who is leading it by a lot. And their message targeting their opponents is, you are ineligible. You are subhuman. Your parents are not even American. You know, you are you are dropping like a bird. You are sanctimonious. You know, you are tiny. You have a tiny penis, right? And then there, the people who are losing their counterattack back is like, sir, chaos follows you, <laughs> and I promise I'll endorse. And you. I think you were the right man for the right time, but maybe right now, maybe your time troll that have caused problems. 
you know, and, and you're and, innocent and, of all these phony yeah. charges against you. And I'll yeah. pardon you when I when I'll I'm pardon you. I don't worry. And, and I just crazy. say, you know, I know I gotta say something about this passive voice that she uses. The chaos. She goes rightly or wrongly. Chaos follows him. You all know what I'm talking about. She's like this is part of her stump. Rightly or wrongly, <laughs> chaos follows him. Just out of nowhere. Why could it? How could it be following him? What could is, be is chaos? That this? guy from the Allstate commercials. I could be causing it <laughs> to follow him around. And I just can't even, it defies logic. Who is that for, by the way? Who is that even, like, honestly, it'd be better just to not criticize him. Who is that for? Like, the, this it, whole thing that chaos the follows. The donors. Yeah. No, I mean, it's for the I mean, people who are in there to see him, where she's like, look, I'm, I'm, because you've seen her do this thing where she's like, the media really wants me to criticize Trump. Well, I'm not going to do that. And people clap. They're like, yeah, because this shouldn't be a, a mudslinging situation against each other. We're all on the same team. And, you know, they're just there to get a taste of Nikki. They're a little Nikki curious. They want to see her. And so they want to make sure she's not dinging the big guy. But, you know, hear what she's all about. And that's that's what she's doing right now. It's so weird that the people clap, though, because they don't clap the other way. It's not like Trump's like, out there like the media, the mainstream media. Maggie Haberman wants me to attack Nikki, but I'm not going to do it. Like, like, it would be an insane thing <laughs> to hear Trump say. They love it like, when he And they cheer. Yeah, right. Yeah. I got a buddy in Tennessee who this weekend had door knocks from the Americans for Prosperity on behalf of Nikki in Tennessee. And they gave him a bunch of glossy literature, which has no message behind it. Behind, Like, Nikki Haley is a good person. With a look at this picture of Nikki Haley. Good compassion, conservative, good. And he's like, cuts. What, there is 0% chance that she will be in the race Economic when growth. Tennessee does its primary. Like, how? what is Americans for Prosperity spending money for door knocks in Tennessee on Nikki Haley right now? And as, as you have written for us, Tim, like three different times, you might as well set your money on fire or give it to a food bank or something. This is, it's a stunning waste of resources maybe they're also giving to who food banks i hope so it is confusing it is it also like and in contrast to i mean i've, I've done my coke random a million times so i'm not going to belabor that but like think about it in contrast to just did you see the horrible story that nancy french david french's wife shared this week about how they're, at the, yeah, they're in tennessee yeah they're at the yeah, swim meet so terrible and, and some guy comes up to her and just starts trashing her, her david about how bad of a person he is at a what? swim meet right Okay, so anyway, I, I share that because um, we got nothing but love for Nancy and David. Um, but also, are you kidding? Did, I missed this completely. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it's on her. And it was like right thread. after her diagnosis, yeah. the breast cancer yeah, diagnosis. It's on her so threads. Like, check painful. it out. Yeah, and send her this love. This guy on a rocket to to the sun. My exactly. God. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, let's move on. The defeated former President Donald Trump went on Lindell TV, which is absolutely not a Christian nationalist <laughs> show. It's my favorite uh, television and, station. <laughs> and they said, had prime uh, positioning at the uh, on the highway to hell at the TPUSA thing. You go, I go down the I'm escalator, and then it's like, boom, it's, Lindell TV right there. It's just pillow ads all day long. <laughs> when there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next twelve months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. I have a couple observations here. First of all, I'm shocked that Donald Trump knows who Herbert Hoover is. That was mine, too. I also couldn't believe it. Somebody must have told him about Herbert Hoover. Somebody had to put that in his ear. Right. This is that's a (laughs) weird like he doesn't know anything about history. This reminds me of the time where I was on the uh, I was on the plane with Jeb 
and we were talking about anchor babies. And I was just like, you know, fun fact, actually, most of the, you know, folks that come to America to have babies, birth tourism are, for, are from Asia. And then like, and then, and then he gets asked about in the press conference and he shares that fun fact again. And I was like, <laughs> why did I say that to him on the airplane? I, this feels like that. Someone, someone was talking to him about Herbert Hoover and it got stuck in the old noggin. But I have a question for you guys, because I think this is a problem for, for Donald Trump, because this, I mean, of course it's not a problem, but just play along with my bit anyway. Doesn't this statement implicitly acknowledge that things are very good? Because if if things can crash, right, they're they're up here. Well, explicitly and if they can go if it. they can go down there and crash, then then they all up here, aren't they? Right. Before I the mean, crash bit, he talks about how the economy is currently running on the Trump fumes. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's the Trump again, fumes yeah. still. Oh, okay. Yeah. The fumes of his success were running on. Sarah, this is going to be like January 6th was Antifa, and also we're damn proud of it, right? Yeah, I mean, this is just, this is a guy who's going to have it both ways. Uh, he's the economy. Well, I could even, I mean, the idea though, because that's not really the point, actually. The, the point is different. The point is this is a guy who is rooting for the American economy to crash, uh, because this is the worst human alive. And he just like, he's like, there's going to be a crash. I just don't want it to happen. I just want it to happen now for political reasons. Uh, and I hope a lot of people suffer along the way, I guess. Probably people in red states who I don't like. What are you, what are you gonna this, focus group people going to say about this? They're not going to hear like, about we, it. This is going to be a 30-second story. This isn't going to matter at all. I disagree Sorry. with that. I disagree oh, with that. Oh, great. I think the Biden campaign is going to is going to use this. And and I think that there's going to be a a series of quotes like this that that I, again I don't know how much they will impact people, but I, I think that they will try to make it part of a broad the broader narrative about Donald Trump only caring about himself. And I do think that's something that these guys are going to be very focused on. Um and it's going to be part of the Biden going to red areas and talking about the factories that have been built and the chips act. And how Donald Trump might say he cares about you, but he only cares about himself. And I, I don't where they do that effectively. I do not. I cannot say. I, I do not predict. But I, I do not think this. I don't think it's a accident that 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 was pulled from the Biden HQ Twitter feed. And it was there was a series of other tweets about this, like about how Newt Gingrich was on Fox talking about how the Republicans should not do a deal with Biden on immigration because they can't give Biden any wins, you know. And I think that a broader narrative about how the Republicans do not care about anybody, do not care about the country, do not care about the border, do not care about the economy. They're nihilists, anarchists, and Biden is actually trying to try to help people is, is something that they will try to put forward. And I think that Trump gave them a, a clip that, that, will, that will be used in television ads to that effect. Mm, I'm not sure. So the main reason is that when I watched that clip, I saw so I read first whoever clipped it saying Trump is rooting for the American economy to crash. And so I turned on the clip and the clip is not quite that. It is uh, when the economy crashes, I hope it crashes in the next 12 months or something. Yeah. Right. And I was sort of answering questions about JVL, thinking about Republican primary voters who would all be like, well, of course, that's true. Yeah. We want the bad economy to be under Biden. Like they they would not for one second dispute because they think it's all, well, this is what a sophisticated political person would say. Like this but is good political thinking. So it saying doesn't that, sound. Admit I don't think that the economy is good. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're making a perfectly valid 
point. I just, I, I think this is one where like we're spending too much time on what I think in total was 27 words uh, that I, I agree with Tim. I agree with you macro, Tim. I don't think this clip uh, is going to go beyond a Twitter cycle. I mean, the deplorables was less than 27 words. I'm not saying this is deplorable, but sometimes certain things, please clap was two words. Sometimes certain things stick in people's head. You know, um, 46%. So, what was the wrong? Uh, well, wow. that was long. It's kind of long. The 47% that ended up, it ended up being distilled to two it's words. Like so maybe, words. yeah, so maybe this can be distilled to Trump is, is rooting for the economy crash. I don't know. I, th- I think Sarah is, is, is making an interesting point that it is something I, that, that I am like quasi obsessed with, which is how everybody's a political pundit now. You know, like, yeah. this is a, a quasi new thing. Right, this idea mm-hmm. that that is like a normal thing. Like, yeah, I would like the economy to be bad right now because I want my team to win. That's like quasi new. Um, I do. I, don't I do think not. That's true. You don't think? I feel that's like true? it's been that way. You think that my in the nineteen ninety six campaign? You think the ninety six campaign? The Dole people were hoping the Bill Clinton economy would crash. I don't. I just don't. I, don't know. I, I feel like Maybe. starting in the two thousands, at least, that's yeah. how the world. Sure, and I think worked. that this has grown, particularly in the yeah, particularly in the internet era, for sure. Um, yeah. But. I don't know. I, I I think that Brian Butler has an interesting media criticism that I just think is worth stating that it's like, I don't think that the way that we talk, that the media talks about politics has updated to the way that people actually act about politics in real life. You know what I mean? Like we, to do this whole fake, like, oh, the Republican, like it's all fake. Like it's all kayfabe. Well, we have. What? We've updated the we've, forecast. We've updated yeah. how we, yeah. yeah we have. That's <laughs> why we're talking about, that's why we're talking about this right now. But the act, the other media, it's like, it's like it would be biased to say the Republicans are rooting for the economy to fail. When it's like, no, the Republicans are rooting for the economy to fail. That's just like a fact. That's not bias. Like that's what's that's a fact. It's reality. This is where JBL, I think there's like a JBL place where he's right and a, and a place where I was right always on the economy, which is that there are people across the political spectrum who feel the pain of the current economy of inflation, who talk about it and are just expressing like a thing that they experience. And then there's a group of people that revel in the bad news about the economy and would never tell you that the economy was in a good place because it is important to them politically that it be bad, right? And that's why pedophiles are important. That's why, like, it has to be a catastrophe. It has to be a everybody. There's an implicit understanding among the Trump world that Biden's stuff has to be a catastrophe for Trump to win. And so you've got to constantly be elevating how level, like the level of, of catastrophic that it is. That's why they say Biden's a rapist and all this other stuff, because you've got to, you've got to push it to the place where it's so bad. But let me just say this idea of the people as pundits, it's not just that. I mean, Trump's base, we've never seen anything like it. And they are experts on Trumpology, right? They think Trump plays 4D chess and they won in that game too. And so, like, I hear them say, that's why it's all, like, Antifa false flags. Like, this is a group of people, and it's quite large. It's, like, half the Republican Party is incredible. There's, like, the part that's just not paying attention, that get dragged along by these forces, right, that I talk about a lot, that, like, we think about whether or not you can persuade them. There's the other half, though, but they're deep on it. They're the ones who are super practiced on, you're like, but what about this? And they're like, oh, well. You're like, oh, well, Trump's rooting for the economy to crash. And they're like, no, he's not. He just knows that the economy's bad and he wants he wants Biden to eat it while he's there rather than having to eat it when Trump's president and he's got to deal with the sucky economy that Joe Biden gave him. Like I can I I can fill in what these voters would say about this in a heartbeat. I think that's right. I just I was trying to think back to 1996 because I was alive then. And I was and I'm thinking about my father, who's like a partisan Republican, but like not 
you know, not a Fox News watcher. Um, and like, I think that at that time in the mid nineties, I know this actually, I can remember having these conversations. It's like, he would be like, Oh, Clinton's taking credit for this economy, but it's really the Reagan aftershocks, right? Like that would have been hit. And that was a common, I think, talking point, right. In the nineties among people in our circles. Right. But I think to go to that next step further from that to, and so I hope the economy crashes this year so that Bob Dole can get back in and make things better. Like that would be an absolutely deranged opinion <laughs> that like would never have crossed my father's mind in, in 1996. And I, and I think that that is true still today. There's some people who like do not live and breathe the stuff, but I think the percentage of people for whom like the team sport element of this is so great that they would, they would gladly suffer pain in order to serve the broader goal of the other side suffering pain. I think that that has gotten a lot worse. JVL, Some, you don't agree someone's going to have to go through the Nexus transcripts on this, but I am 98% positive that this is a sentiment which has recurred like every four years, again, at least since 2000, maybe since 1998. <laughs> Believe me, out in, out in Republican world in the late 90s, I think some very large proportion of people would have been thrilled to trade a recession to get rid of Bill Clinton because they hated him so much. They invented conspiracies where sure, he was true. running a cocaine dealing operation out of an airstrip in Mena, Arkansas, and he had Vince Foster murdered. And, and to think uh, they had the real Jeffrey Epstein that they could have just been talking about the whole time they were making yeah, up stuff. Totally. Yeah. All right, let's move on from this. Let's talk about a word from our sponsors, Timothy. Yeah, let's do that. Z-Biotics. Let me tell you, if there's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of drinking, it's with Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zebiotic's pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to take Zebiotic's pre-alcohol, your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. I guess I really should have done that. I was un- it was unexpected for me this weekend. I was not planning on going out. But the last moment, I was invited to a, a gay bar crawl that was insurrection-themed. Gonna let everybody kind of decide for themselves what the what the play on words might have been there. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, I was wishing I had done <laughs> I my. See what you did there, you there. Go. I wish I had done my Z-Biotics, uh, but I was caught off guard and could not have it as my first drink of the night. This year, I want to form more sustainable and better drinking habits. This is not an all-or-nothing approach. Zbiotics allows me to enjoy nights out in moderation while working towards my goals. Go to zbiotics.com slash next level to get 15% off your first order when you use next level at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash next level and use the code next level at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and my good times. This week, Kevin McCarthy, my Kevin, your mm. Kevin, our Kevin. He can he leave Congress and be a straight shooter now. A straight shooter and just tell people what he thinks. And so he returned home to get, oh no, he stayed, he stayed in Washington. He didn't go back to California, but he, he gave his first interview to Aaron Ross Sorkin. And we have a couple clips. Sebastian. 
The thing I would say that how would he govern, well, I would hope he would even be better than he was before, because we watched what he did on policy where the economy was stronger. We didn't have war in Europe. Our border was secure. I believe at the end of the day when you're going to a ballot, people are looking at how does it affect them personally. And they're watching from a gas price. That's the decision they're going to make. I believe people get better with 10,000 hours. I also believe people get better when they get humbled and from the aspect he didn't win the last election. So there is improvement there, hopefully. It also mm. is who gets around you. Um, <laughs> look at the tax policy that he was able to create. Look at um, the aspect of... He's making a pitch for him himself to be chief of staff, right? Uh, he he wants a so job in the next Trump administration. Ten thousand hours. It's just a Malcolm Gladwell. It's a tipping point situation. So that's ten thousand hours of practice. I'm just reading some Malcolm Gladwell. Books. I hope I hope I hope Malcolm, you feel good to know that Kevin McCarthy read about your book. <laughs> he didn't read the book, but he read about your book somewhere, and he figured, oh, I can use this and turn it into a Trumpist talking point. That's great. What is that too? It's like you get you got better at presidenting. Yeah, reps at president. It's like swinging the old golf club, you know. Uh, you just the more reps you get, the better, the the straighter it's going to go down the fairway. I do wonder how that the ten thousand hours theory squares with the January sixth insurrection behavior, because you you would think that Trump would have been peaking at the end of his presidency. Well, so ten thousand hours. I went into a little bit of math. I believe that's four hundred sixteen days. Yeah, and so really. Uh, that means that really Trump should have started getting better by like, you know, early 2018. <laughs> mm. And it, it in fact seems like things got worse as we went. I, I mean, that's if you're taking Kevbo literally and not seriously. Yeah. Uh, he also then goes on to say, it wasn't in the clip that, uh, you know, a lot of it is personnel and who you're surrounding yourself with. And Trump's really going to do a great job. This flies in the mm. face of everything we've heard so far about Trump. Uh, I got a great personnel anecdote I learned from Bannon, by the way. You're going to like this. You're going to like this. Um, when I was there at the uh, TPSA, he was like telling me that, uh, you know, one of the names the media doesn't get is uh, is Ratcliffe, John Ratcliffe. It's going to hmm. be in a high security post. He's in the first administration. And I was like, why? I was, I was like, did he not ever speak out against January 6th? He's like, no, he kept his kept things close to his vest. But the thing people don't know about him is that he's a he's a two handicap. Trump likes that, likes to have somebody around. <laughs> it's as good as he is on the golf course. So this is the kind of like kind of team that he's going to put together. I think I think Kevin maybe appreciates that. There's going to be like some full-on insurrectionists, a few white nationalists, the, the Mike Pillow podcast, and then like a couple of desperate has-beens like Kevin McCarthy and a few good golfers. Maybe get great golfers, a good golf team. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? There's one of the a golfers team of that rivals. goes to Mar-a-Lago all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jack Nichols. Daly, isn't it? Jack Nicholas. Nicholas too. Yeah. Yes. God. Yeah. <sighs> what a time to go live, America. Sarah, do you have any thoughts about my Kevin here? And what's uh, like, what's his angle? I thought like he doesn't have to do this anymore. He just make money, and so like he doesn't have to go and do Trump's shine box anymore, right? He could just right. go out and be a good Republican on corporate boards. You know, Kevin's not that old, and I think that Kevin McCarthy thinks Trump can win the next election, and he can be the new Mark Meadows. And I hope he has good lawyers. These guys are so addicted to the power, right? He needs a next act. He's got to wa- cleanse his, uh, his legacy. 
and have a next act and do something big. He didn't trade all this capital for Trump at 58 to to not have any not to be in the White House again, not to, you know, not to have some. Yeah, that's what he's doing. And even if it's just money, I, this was Reince. Right? Like, so Reince left. It's like, why is Reince still doing his monthly Hannity circuit? You know, doing shining up Trump. And it's like, well, because the access that he's selling is to MAGA. Yeah. No. Kevin is not like John Boehner. John Boehner left in good standing among people on both sides. And he can go get hired by the pot people or the crypto people, whoever. And he can go call up his buddy Steny Hoyer and they can smoke a cig together and like, you know, chat it up. And that brings value. Kevin, as we saw in the votes on the House floor, doesn't have any bipartisan value. Right, like the Democrats were happy to throw him overboard. They see him as as disgusting, um, rightly. And so, Kevin's access is tied to the fact that he's still in the good graces of Trump. So he does still have to shine Trump shine box. And I guess he could go not do lobbying. He could go like whatever, be a hedge fund person or something. You know, find some stupid rich person to give him money. But yeah, he's he's not. Right enough. But if you want in the game, he's still yeah, Yeah. he's still got to be in good graces. He's also look. I guess my. Yeah, and my guess is is that right. What does he need to do? He needs to soothe the nerves of donors and corporate interests about how Trump. No, man, you know you guys don't have to worry about Trump. I I got Trump. You know this is Kevin's just been peddling this for such a long time. Like, don't worry about these crazy people. I got him in control. Look what I did with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I brought them, you know, to heal by by putting my arm around them. And like, don't worry, I'll be there to keep a steady hand on this thing for you guys. You big money interests who don't like the chaos. And it makes he does this after Trump just lets him drown. That's again, you know, just one more Republican who Trump destroys their career, and their response to that is, "Got to keep helping him. Got to keep helping yeah, him. Well, Maybe he'll let me back and, inside." You know, I don't want to preempt anything in your your Bannon lore, Tim, but like Bannon's, Bannon got hung yeah. out to dry so hard by Trump, right? And Sloppy he still Steve. Makes it, Oh, yeah. yeah, he still makes this living off of off of just nothing but Trump service. I don't know. Bannon, I mean, Bannon's gross and pathetic, too. But I, I guess that, like, the Kevin situation is different because it's like there's something about owning your patheticness. You know, Bannon is just like – Bannon is like I'm just swimming with the deplorables in the bog. You know, like I'm just fucking down here in the bog and I smell like them and these are my people and – like, I'm going to, you know, whatever. If I have to just put on this shit-eating grin and pretend that I think that the Dominion voting machines are broken to have Mike Lindell keep giving me money, I'll do it because this is my this is my shtick. And I've got a couple things I really believe in that I'm going to, you know, fight for and push for. And, and then it's just like a big WWE power game where I can dominate the Kevins of the world. So it's like I, I, they're both pathetic in that sense. Yeah, and they're both faking it because you have to be with Trump to to have any power. Uh, but the Kevin thing is just like stands out in its patheticness, but because of the way that he just got, like he just gets overthrown, and 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 that and he has to continue to fake it, and be just this husk of a human who like goes and makes the rounds in New York and pretends like everything is okay after he was just you know like completely embarrassed and stripped naked in front of the whole world. Like, I don't know. Like, that's pretty, that, like, pretty sad. Do you think that, like, Kevin and Elise and, like, that there's, like, a group of them that get together as, like, a like a sympathy group or, like, one of those where they get together to all, oh, you, you know, can't talk trust? to each other? No. And figure- no, they must hate each other. Yeah, no trust. 
Well, I mean, maybe Kevin has a couple of buddies, like him and Jeff Miller or whoever get drinks together. But like him and Elise, I mean, how, how, like he, if I was Kevin, mm-hmm. I'd be worried that Elise is taping me. Who yeah. who taped him? <laughs> who, like literally, who taped him and sent the tapes to to Jonathan Martin for the last book? That was the other thing that we didn't play in that clip. Like Andrew Sorkin was was telling Kevin, like uh, you know, re, replaying him back his January 2021 statements about how we need to move on from Trump and that were taped and leaked. And 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 Kevin's like, oh, I don't remember saying that. Like, okay, I think we can take some pleasure in knowing that they don't actually have a support group. I don't think for yeah. this. All right, final topic. Uh, Today, down at the D.C. Circuit Court, a three-judge panel held a hearing on the Trump claim of total immunity, which I think sounds like like the Steve Carell, I declare bankruptcy from from the office. Uh, During the course of this, Judge Florence Pam, this is amazing, asked uh, Trump's lawyer, could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? And Trump's lawyer, D. John Sauer, said, well, you know, I mean, he'd have to be impeached. He, Of course he'd be impeached to remove first, and then, then you know, they could do it. And, and she was like, no, I didn't ask about impeachment removal. Just pretend there's no impeachment and removal. Could, could a president do this? And he was like, well, qualified yes. It's an amazing, yes. amazing exchange. His qualified yes was was a qualified no to her question because they went on back and forth a little bit more. But basically could not bring himself because the logic of Trump's position is, yes, the president can do whatever the president wants to do. Then they, they can't just say, uh, no, no, Joe Biden could not have SEAL Team 6 just assassinate Donald Trump. And, you know, and, and be be loosey-goosey and, and trouble-free afterwards. But but they don't know how to, like, fully say that out loud like this. It's an amazing, amazing Have you moment. guys ever seen Frost Nixon? Mm-hmm. Yes. The movie about... Okay, so yeah. in Frost Nixon, like, the denouement, like, the thing that happens is where uh, Frost gets Nixon to say, no, I'm saying that when... It's not illegal when the president does it. And this was, like the stunning admission in the movie, right? This is like, he gets him to say that he doesn't believe the president can be held accountable for anything. And this is now just like the casual position of Donald Trump. That like, <laughs> no, he should be able to do whatever he wants uh, with total immunity. And they're in court trying to argue it. And it's one of those things, you know, I did this legal podcast. Uh, it was in the TNL feed with George, um, George Conway, because I oftentimes find myself uh, like trying to figure out, like untangle all the different legal things. This one's like an easy one. Uh, maybe I'll do mm. one with George, but on on this immunity thing. But like, this is just them being like, no, if he's president, nothing he can do is illegal, including murdering. If you're a star, they just let you do it, Sarah. Yeah, I would say this yeah. is the Access Hollywood interpretation of presidential authority. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is the if you're a president. They let you do it. Um, yeah. I have an observation, and I just, in case that the NSC or anybody is listening, I'm not calling for this, and, and I'm not rooting for it in any way, but um, by this definition, Joe Biden could kill Donald Trump right now if 34 senators were okay with it. Like, that's like, that is the stated legal position of Donald Trump, that he could be killed by Joe Biden 
with no repercussions as long as 34 Democratic senators did not impeach and convict Joe Biden for the for the extrajudicial killing. So I just think that's something to sit with because or, that yeah. Or Tim, Joe Biden could kill Trump and enough senators so that he couldn't be removed from office because they wouldn't be able to have quarrel. They could start so killing kill now, you're, now you're thinking. Also now okay. Thinking. Now yeah. we're really at uh, a, a galaxy braining this whole thing. But I, I just I think that it's interesting. It's another example of them revealing that they don't even actually really believe what they're saying about the deep state. Right? Like all of this deep state nonsense. Oh, they've been targeting us. Oh, they're out to get us. Oh, do whatever. It's like the deep state hadn't done anything. Okay. The deep state hadn't done anything. And maybe the deep state should be doing more to uh, target Donald Trump. Not, not extrajudicial killings, obviously. Um, but like Wait, they've Tim- done a horrible job at all of this. Like everything is, everything is, uh, uh, you know, ha- yielded nothing. Donald Trump became president anyway. And like, if they were really concerned that the deep state was targeting him in a real way, then they would not want to be advocating for presidential immunity for presidents, right? Like if if Joe Biden was really masterminding, the Biden crime family was really right. masterminding an illegal plot against Donald Trump, why would they want immunity for presidents? They would want to hold the head of this crime family accountable so that he would be locked up. But they don't actually care about that. They don't want it because they don't believe that it's true. But Tim... What Biden is doing then as the head of the crime family in his persecution of Donald Trump yeah. is actually legal. Is legal, <laughs> right. And so what's the complaint? <laughs> I don't understand. If everything Trump has done is perfectly legal and kosher, then how is it that Joe Biden is unfairly and criminally targeted? That doesn't, but again, this is like, you know, the economy is terrible and also it's about to crash. The, the January 6th, there was nothing happened there uh, except for some great patriots came and took a tour. And also it was BLM and Antifa and the FBI agents setting us all up. It's all both of these things. And either none of these people really believe it, so they're just all nihilists, or they're yes, forking that. That morons. Oh, they're mostly just a. idiots. Yeah, or both. I don't know if that's necessarily an either or. There's some and in there for sure. Um, but well, no, at the rank and file, though. It's mostly the beginning. There's no genuine belief in any of this, right? There's no genuine belief that any of this is wrong. There's just convenient arguments for, for the moment. I, I want to know from Sarah. Do you think that's true at the level of, like, actual voters? No. Do you think I, they don't I believe, believe any of this stuff? I think that they believe certain things with evidence and conviction and then i think there's a whole bunch of other things that they just don't understand well enough and they can be persuaded at any given moment about um and this is where i think the republicans and by republicans i really mean sort of a right-wing infotainment media does a really good job of locking in on an excuse or a rationalization for everything and that's why there's not a linear consistency for people because these people are so much less ideological than conservatives used to be, right? So there used to be an intellectual through line in terms of what people believed. And so you were trying to stay consistent with that. Now you're just trying to stay consistent with Trump. And so there's, and there's a whole ecosystem dedicated to helping you, Normie, not, not Normie, but you, Trump lover, to understand how to push back against any perceived inconsistency, right? And that's why you would say something is different in this case, or, um, you know, Donald Trump 
this is just the, you know, this is why if you, the, the DOJ is out to get him. Okay, well, what do you think about them prosecuting Hunter Biden? Well, it's just an example of how guilty Hunter Biden is that they have to do this. Um, that does, I mean, like, that's what I mean is that they don't, they're not looking for a logical consistency. Can I give one more example of this? A conservative infotainment that's also a little tease for uh, our Sunday show this week. I wanted to do Epstein. It's like we've done no Epstein on this podcast, and uh, we have all this breaking news on Epstein. And so I've been kind of going back and reading all of this and kind of getting prepared for uh, to do a Sunday thing about Epstein. And like the funny thing, uh, f- funny is not the right word, but like there, there's no reason why like Epstein killed himself conspiracies should necessarily code right as a right wing conspiracy. I mean, when Epstein died, like the the person that gave him the easy deal. The, the the sweetheart deal was Alex Acosta, Trump cabinet member. The attorney general was Bill Barr, who had been at a law firm with some of uh, with some of Epstein's lawyers. And the president was Donald Trump, who'd hung out with Epstein. Yeah. Okay. So that's like I, I'm not saying that Donald Trump killed Epstein, but like that's a fact set that in some world you could look at that and say, oh man, sure, sure seems like Donald Trump was covering up some sex crimes. But from you know from people on his side, but yet the somehow the conservative infotainment media is able to just kind of wash that stuff away so much and just be like Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, like Pizzagate, lib sex trafficking pedophiles, Epstein killed himself, deep state, like and and like all of a sudden it's like oh this is the Democrats that are behind this and it's like well how are the Democrats behind this? Donald Trump was president, Bill Barr was the Attorney General, like uh, you know and so I, like that's just another example of this where like the details don't really have to matter. That's because there's asymmetric shamelessness. Right. So the Democrats recognize that Bill Clinton uh, is probably this is like they don't right. go so hard at Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. There's like they they're like, oh, Bill Clinton might have been a bad guy here. Uh, and so they do. They perform differently than Republicans who were like, who cares about Trump? Like, you got to just make it about Clinton. You just got to say all these other things over and over again. And that's yeah, there's asymmetric. Yeah, it's like the Fox headline that was like the new leaks from the Epstein things that like listed all these names. And it was like Trump's name wasn't in there. It's <laughs> like, really, guys? <laughs> it was like David Copperfield, Stephen Hawking, Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew. It's like, was there any other big names that were mentioned? Anyway. <laughs> the people are the worst. All right, guys, good show. Exceedingly long show. We got to get out of here. Stay Iowa tuned for more excellent Monday. stuff. We're going to be doing special show Monday. Next time we talk, uh, we're special going to know. show Tuesday. We will finally find out what the people say. The people are going to use their voice. This show's live. You have to. We have yes. to tell them this show is oh, live right. next Tuesday. We'll, in we'll the morning, we'll be doing a live show next Tuesday morning. So keep an eye great. out for Wait. that on our Twitter feeds. We'll be telling you when. Can I tell you that doing this show with George, uh, which I think we're going to do some more of, though, help me understand what it's like to be Tim Miller. Because there's like a number of comments that are just like, let George talk. Because I was like interrupting him to be like, uh, can you explain what you just said? Or like, let me recap this. And everyone's just like, you just let him talk. George is a genius. I don't even, I was like, okay. You know? If just I could just say somebody, sexism. as somebody whose job <laughs> is to sit back and not talk and ask questions, uh, your interrupting questions for, for George were perfectly placed. And you made that show flow Mm. really, really well. I actually meant to say this to you on Slack. Uh, You did a masterful job on that interview. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Well, you know, not all the YouTube commenters thought so. Yeah. Well, see, I I actually read and watch all of your your content, Sarah. Do you like my newsletter today, by the way? 
Guys, yes. we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.